know, that he wanted just to get away with the true burly men and, uh, and get some good time together. But um, it's so cool, isn't it, being in, in Vermont, being in Burlington, uh, being, uh, you know, able to get out so easily into the, uh, the outdoors, the mountains, the snow, the, uh, the, you know, all that comes with that. It's, uh, it's, um, it's really been awesome for Sue and I just to be here and just to kind of get a, get, a, get a taste of it. You know, we came, we moved from uh, northern New Jersey, close to, close to New York City. And it's kind of a, an area that's known for sort of, you know, I don't know if you ever been down like the, the 95, Route 95. Yeah. And you're kind of cruising down, you're kind of, you know, you get over maybe the, the George Washington Bridge, and that's, that's, a, that's sort of a death-defying experience every single time. Yeah. And you're kind of getting over the bridge, and you realize, you kind of start to realize, wait a minute, I think I'm in New Jersey because of the smell, because of the view, and the refineries, and it seems like you're sort of in this apocalyptic sort of moonscape. You know, you're cruising through New Jersey, and so we live really close to there. So humanity is just like piled on each other. And just trying to do a lot of business and, and you know do a lot of industry and, and this kind of this kind of thing. And so for us, being in Burlington, Vermont, is just like you can kind of walk out our door and right there is the Winooski River. You know, right there as we're coming over different like you know, different hills, we see we see Mount Mansfield and we see you know the, the mountains across Lake Champlain. You know, we get a chance, you know, to come home and there's actually going to see stars when we come home at night <laughs> from outdoors. And it just kind of gives you that sort of motivation just to kind of, just kind of breathe deep. Right. Yeah. Kind of take it in. And kind of, kind of capture kind of God's spirit, kind of God's rhythm. It just feels like there's so much more attachment to that here in terms of, uh, you know, just uh, being closer to what God has made as compared to the franticness and the craziness of what man has made. And uh, it's a great reminder for us. But I think also, you know, during this time, there's some challenges. And I think in New England, what happens a lot of times when it comes to sort of this, these couple of months of the year, is it seems like everything's a little bit cloudier, everything's a little bit darker, you know, it kind of gets dark, you know, it gets light, uh, Late, it gets dark early. It seems like everything around us has kind of died in terms of the trees, in terms of the vegetation, in terms of the color. You know, it's all sort of browns and and grays, and it kind of can be tough on the psyche here in New England sometimes, especially around this time of year. You know, I was reading this blog this morning on uh, on trees. And that's what I'm starting to do now that I'm living in Vermont. I was reading about trees in the winter, and I was kind of fascinated. What, what are the trees doing in the winter? Are they just sort of like surviving, or what's kind of how? You know, what is this whole winter thing? Even with the, the things that God has made around us, like trees. And I read this. It says winter is a big growing season for trees. Well, that's kind of interesting. Winter's a big growing season for trees. And then he says, well, for their roots, that is. Yeah. He says, you know, when the tree is on the outside, there's no buds, there's no blossoms, there's no flowers. So it can, seems like, it can kind of seem like there's nothing going on, you know, with, uh, with trees. And uh, he says, while trees seem dormant above ground, the underground system of roots is busy work. Mm-hmm. Growing, searching, and uh, retaining nutrients that help the tree 
through the winter and to prepare it for the spring. You know, and I find myself, you know, as I kind of go through the different emotions and the different sort of moods of, of uh, the winter, I find myself kind of challenged by that. Even over the last few days, I was kind of thinking about this going, why do I feel kind of down? Why do I feel kind of like, kind of a little bit glum? It's kind of a good word for me. Glum. Kind of just describes a little bit how I can get, you know, on, on the inside. I just have to start struggling. I have to start if I'm going to get them, I have to start sort of searching for those nutrients. Because it seems like the ground is kind of cold. It's kind of hard. So maybe it doesn't seem like they're quite as easily available to me. And it seems like life gets a little bit tougher, you know, in the, in the winter months. It's a little bit it's yeah. colder outside. It's a little tougher to move the joints. It's a little yeah. tougher to kind of get up. You know, sometimes when I want to get up and get moving and get going and get outside. And it made me think about... Kind of, you know, how God's designed us and how God's kind of designed this time, uh, this season of the year for us. Look over in Deuteronomy chapter 2. Deuteronomy chapter 2. I don't know how you even feel a little bit long recently. Maybe, maybe yeah. you don't go through that. I don't know. But it seems to me it's kind of a theme for us New Englanders, us Northeasterners. And I know I'm not quite, I'm, I probably won't just, so you know I have. I'm trying to be aware of this. I probably will never be a Vermonter. <laughs> and, I, and I know that. It's kind of like when I was in Japan. You can live in Japan for 3,000 years. You weren't born there, and you're not Japanese. And I get the feeling it's a little bit like that here in Vermont. Yes. But, you know, I heard Kayla and Ryan sort of argue about that the other day. I was like, I'm born and raised here. And Ryan, I'm a Vermonter, and Ryan's like, no, I'm a Vermonter. I've hiked more nights, I've hiked more mountains around here than anybody in this whole group. And so this little argument going on, who's a true Vermonter? My relatives founded a town. And so I don't know if I'm a Vermonter. I want to be. If you'll let me be. Maybe, you know, as I try to be, as I, as I grow to be, become more and more Vermonter. But I am a New England, <laughs> and I did grow up in, in farmland in North New Jersey. You're like, oh, that's proof you didn't grow up in New Jersey. There's no farmland. <laughs> <laughs> but there actually are. Yeah. Yeah. Farmland in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I think this is a challenge for us in, in, uh, in, in New England. And it's something I think we have to face kind of spiritually, because there's a little bit of a different battle that's going on. Yeah. And so, you know, <clears throat> I wanted to read this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Because I think a lot of a lot of us kind of getting into that right mindset and that right heart set, that that place of growth, that place of where it's not just winter is everything goes dormant, but there actually is a lot of growth going on in our lives. I think it has a lot to do with us digging into our relationship with God. It has a lot to do with us digging into our into the truth a little bit deeper, digging into the principles of who God is. And what he's created us for, and how life is lived well, and these kind of things, just a little bit deeper, and a little bit more. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talks about some serious, serious trials he was going through. Some, you know, some, some life-threatening challenges, some real attacks on his joy, and some real attacks on his, on his livelihood and his life. And he says something that's so important. He says, you know, these things happen so that I won't rely on myself but on God who raises, who, raises, who raises the dead. I think so often we kind of go to ourselves to find strength. 
we kind of go to, we kind of plug into something that was never meant to be a power outlet. And whatever that is for us, whatever that tends to be for us, and we're kind of a little bit bewildered when we don't find power there. What we find there is just kind of a, it's just kind of more deadness, or more addictiveness, or more flatliningness. Because there's certain things that were never meant to be a power source for us. But God is. And God's word is. And I found this, that when we open up God's word, and we, and we talk about it, and we discuss it, that there's, that there's a connection with what God is trying to do among us and within us that's profound. While at the same time very simple and very normal. We'll read about it here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. What I'd like to do first, I'd like to go ahead and just pray for you. So we can kind of really get into the scriptures here and ask God to help us with that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the winter. Father, thank you for the winter months because it drives us, God, prayerfully a little bit closer to one another, a little bit closer to you, Father, a little bit closer, a little bit uh, maybe more in sync with your spirit. Father, thank you so much for, for the winter and what it really kind of pushes us to do in our lives like the trees. Father, thank you so much for our problems. Father, thank you so much for our difficulties and our adversities. Father, thank you so much for our challenges. Because, we, God, we know that our hardships and our challenges and our difficulties are some of the wise lessons that, that we, we won't learn otherwise. And, they, Father, they, they turn out to be blessings, God, from you. As we see our hardship as, as teaching, as, as discipline, as health, as uh, awareness of, of how to live life well. Father, according to your plan. Father, we ask you to bless our time as we open up the scriptures. Father, help us to thrive. Father, help us to flourish. Help us to be fruitful. Father, help us to live whole lives, God, like you've you've designed for us. Help us, God, to have that awareness as we get into the scriptures, really connect with them, really connect with your spirit, uh, so we can uh, follow the with all of our hearts. Bless our time in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, Mackenzie, our daughter, one time was at, um, I don't know, she was at teen camp. She was, she was, uh, she was somewhere where she was uh, reading through. Actually, she was reading. She was reading through the Bible. She was starting to attempt to kind of read the scriptures. She came on Deuteronomy uh, chapter six, and she read this. And it was kind of cool for our family because what she realized as she was reading this, she said, you know, she she, she looked at this passage. She said, that's our family. I can't <laughs> 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 <Exactly. laughs> real life cheetah. <laughs> real life cheetah. <laughs> the animal prints on and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say four? Deuteronomy six. Oh, yeah. Changes the game. Thank you, voices in the crowd. <laughs> She was reading through this passage, and it was kind of cool for us because one of the things she wrote, she says, as reading through this passage, you know, I say, that's our family. Because, because we live in Connecticut, we live about an hour and a half north, uh, away from Hartford where we attended church. And so we lived far away away from a uh, fellowship. And so oftentimes we would, you know, we lived busy lives, the kids were involved in all stuff, you know, high school and sports. Sue and I, between us, worked uh, four or five jobs because we were trying to figure out a career. Uh, and so life was very busy. And so we found ourselves, you know, trying to take advantage of these moments just to talk. And so oftentimes on the way to church and on the way home from church, we would have some of the most meaningful, tearful, 
talks. Because we were just talking about what? We were just talking about, so what did you think of the sermon? Sometimes we, sometimes we liked it, sometimes we didn't. Sometimes some of us liked it, sometimes other people didn't. And so we talk about this. What we realized was the truth that's found here in Deuteronomy 6. It's just, again, all at once very simple, but also very deep and profound. It says uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. It says, impress them on your children. You know, it's interesting because he, he introduces some passages here, some truths here, like this, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a massive concept. That's a huge idea. That's a huge principle that it's hard to kind of wrap our, our, our brains around that. So, so what does that mean? And there's a lot of principles throughout Deuteronomy that are, that, are, that are big principles. How do you get those down to a human level? How do you get those down to a place where we can actually go, oh, I kind of get it, or I kind of understand it. And it's not just some sort of big religious idea. And God says, impress these things on your hearts. Just get them on the inside. We were never meant just to be church attenders. We were never meant just to kind of go to a building and do a few sort of religious actions yeah, and then, and then you know, that being sort of our faith. We were, it was meant to be very dynamic. It was meant to be very real. It was meant to, to really affect our lives so that we could, like, like God said in the very beginning, so we could fill the earth, so we could live blessed lives, so we could subdue it, so we could, we could flourish. And that's what God is really trying to do. In our, in our lives. In fact, earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says, he gives us these commands that we may enjoy long life. Are you enjoying life? Are you loving life? If you're not, you're probably doing it wrong. You're not doing it the way that God really designed for you to do it. Life should be incredible. It should be an adventure. It should be filled with color and growth and invention and imagination and impact and fruitfulness. These are, the, these are the reasons that God created us and the, and the vision that he has for us. And so he gives us these, he gives us these big ideas, right? And then he says, impress them on your children. He says, these things are to be upon your hearts. And then he says, he gives us some real practical instructions on how to do this. He says, talk about them in the second half of, uh, of verse 7. He says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead, foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. How do we get these big concepts kind of from here to here? How do we get them from our head to our heart? Well, God says we talk about And I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm often amazed that when I, when I bust out the scriptures and I don't understand something, that, that when I talk about it, I gain not only a deeper understanding of the meaning of it, but in terms of the information of it, but I, I gain an understanding of the heart behind it. And we found that a lot in our family, that it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a religious thing. It wasn't a going to church thing. It was just us. It was just kind of how we live life. You know, Sue and Nick would take, uh, you know, we would take walks down to Starbucks from where we live. And they would pray to the alphabet on the way down. They'd talk about, you know, things of the heart, things of, 
you know, the things that were going on in their lives, in our car lives. We try to talk about real things. We try just to kind of be open and honest with our lives and talk about the things that we were learning, the things that we were seeing. And it wasn't always pretty. It wasn't always kind of like, you know, kind of tied up in a neat bow. It was oftentimes kind of, kind of vulnerable. It was kind of, I don't know, it was kind of like muddy. Kind of like, you know, just unorganized. It was, it was just awkward. And I, and I, I'm amazed here because, again, God isn't trying to put us into sort of this organizational, you know, this organizational kind of system. God is trying to help you get things on a heart level. So much that happens because we go, hey, I don't understand this. What do you think? Or this is what really stuck out to me in this passage. What do you think? And we talk about it on the road. We talk about it when we lie down. We talk about it when we get up. And then God does the heavy lifting of changing our hearts and changing our minds and helping us to grow. Look over in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. We're going to jump around here. I wanted to share with you what I would call an anchor of scripture. And because when I'm going through those little blown times or those times of feeling down or feeling kind of like a little bit confused or like, you know, a lot of times for me the way it plays out is I feel down and then I feel down about feeling down. <laughs> because the fact of the matter is I, I really believe I'm like the most blessed man of all time. I really believe that. I mean, who gets what I have? I, I have a relationship with Sue. I, I have a relationship with, with God. I get to follow Jesus. I don't have to. I get to. I got these kids in my life that are like my heroes. Who gets that? And I, I literally am like the most blessed man of all time because I'm the only guy that I know that has those things that I've ever met. I know I've met all of you guys. You guys, you guys might, might think you're the most blessed man of all time. You should. Because we have what we have. We have the life that God has given us. So sometimes when I feel down, I feel down about feeling down. And then I feel down about feeling down about feeling down. <laughs> and it's kind of like this cycle of, of kind of just going, kind of just like, why is being human so challenging? Yeah, that's it. Why, even though I'm one of the most blessed person, people in the history of the world, why does life feel confusing sometimes? I gotta go back. I gotta go back to God. And there's certain passages in the Bible that really resonate with me. And I don't know why. I think it's just kind of how I'm wired. And it's things that are meaningful to me. And I think probably as you're reading the Bible, there's certain passages that resonate more with you. And they kind of just resonate with your spirit. They kind of speak to you in a special way. And so those are the passages for me that I kind of wanted, I kind of go to when I'm starting to feel stuff in my life. And I go, you know, this passage really helps me. And it's helped me over and over and over again. So I go back and read it. This is one of those passages. You know, what are some of those passages for you? What are some of your, your, your uh, anchor scriptures? Scriptures that you go back to that kind of just help you to help you to help ground you. Help, uh, help you to, to, to sort through things. Help you to feel like uh, that, you're, that you're finding some, some meaning. In, in the moment, some meaning in the challenge. So, First Thessalonians chapter five, in verse uh, sixteen, it says this. It says, "Be joyful always. Pray continually. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, one of the reasons that this has a lot of meaning for me is because it says that verse, that, that last little uh, sentence, it says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A lot of times, I don't know what God's will for me is. And a lot of times, I'm kind of like Michael 6. So I'm kind of like, God, what do you want from me? Seriously? I mean, do I got to do, like, all these big things for you to be pleased? Or do you want, you know, my firstborn? Do you want, you know, blood from a thousand fat and whatever? You know, what sacrifice do you want from me? And, and God comes back to Mike and he says, he says, you know, this is all I want. I want you to act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with your God. That's all I'm looking for. And this is one of those verses for me because it kind of says, this is what God's looking for in me. So when I'm kind of confused, or I'm feeling overly challenged, or I'm feeling anxious, or I'm feeling maxed out, this kind of brings me back. Hey, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be joyful of us. And I want to talk about that one with you guys. Because this one doesn't seem possible sometimes. But it reminds me that to God, he thinks this is possible. That I can be joyful always. Let me ask you, is do you think this is possible? Yes. Be joyful always. I'm challenged by that. Sometimes I just don't feel it. But I think what it does to me, what this passage does for me, is it is it helps me that it, it reorients my thinking. Because a lot of times what I'm thinking is that I need to be happy, that I want to be happy, <coughs> that everything in life needs to be perfect, that that goal I'm going after needs to have happened, and then I'll be joyful always. And sometimes it's easy for me to go back to God and go, God, seriously, be joyful always, even when I'm going through this, and even when you put this in my life, and even when you put this hardship in my life? How is that even possible? So let me ask you, what's the difference between happiness and joyful? What do you think? What kind of comes to mind? I've always considered happiness temporal. It's it's a mood that I can be in. Okay. But I always find, and I use this for myself ever since I was even a teenager, joy is Jesus other than yourself. Yeah. And as long as you keep that in order, you can yeah. maintain your joyfulness. Okay. Yeah. Totally. Those are kind of some those are kind of kind of some pillars, right. some some kind of you know some uh, some real kind of principles. Yeah. I think joy is an outlook. Um, okay. like almost optimism. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know because I don't have it. Textbook says you know, <laughs> no, I think it's an outlook. You know, um, regardless of what you're going through, looking on the bright side of life. Okay. Optimism. Kind of a kind of a perspective.
has to do with the things that are happening around you, the things that are happening in you. And so happiness is often is correlated with the circumstance, with happiness that typically we have no control over. And so things kind of happen to us as we're going through it. Joy, I think, is a lot more connected to things that don't change, things that aren't circumstantial. And so like in Philippians chapter 4, you know, it says, be joyful. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Because <laughs> Paul had gone through some adversity in his life. And he says in the second part of that, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> rejoice. <laughs> and then he says, you know, he says, you know, just don't be anxious about anything. <clears throat> everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving presents your request to God. And then he talks about setting our mind you know, on things above and thinking about things that are lovely, things that are good, things that are excellent, things that are praiseworthy. And then he says the God of peace will be with you and the peace of God will be with you. Kind of both of those things come together. And I think, you know, it reminds me a lot of Jeremiah 17. I'd like to turn there. We have one verse at the beginning of the Bible. Uh, one verse at the end, and now we're going to one right and kind of smack dab in the middle. When I was a, a kid, I was really into tennis. I was a competitive tennis player. The height of my, of my career was I went fifth in New Jersey and that lasted for like a week. <laughs> the rest of my career it kind of went all downhill from there. But, um, but I loved tennis, and I was really into it. And there was one night where I was going into a tennis tournament, and uh, I was really nervous. And my sister, who was a real influence on me in my own, in my own walk with God, she uh, came in my room, gave me a card, and she's written Philippians 4, 49, and 48. And um, she said, hey, don't be anxious. And so I took, that, I took those verses, and I wrote them on two little pieces of paper, and I taped them on my rackets. And those are kind of my verses that I kind of Try to navigate the nerves, you know, the anxiety, the challenges of trying to be a trying to be a competitive athlete. And it's really helped me, you know, through that. That's become one of my anchor scriptures, just Philippians chapter four. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in Jeremiah 17 is another one of my passages that really, really helps me because it reminds me of uh, growing up in this place that I did in, in Lafayette, New Jersey. And in chapter chapter 17, verse five, it says, "This is what the Lord says." Is cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and his heart turns away from the Lord. He'll be like a bush in the wasteland. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert and salt land where no one lives. This is how people, this is how we feel when our plug is plugged into ourselves. <coughs> and oftentimes we're kind of we're relying on ourselves to generate energy and faith and power for life for ourselves, but there's nothing there. And he says, you know, so there's this seed that has all this potential for greatness, but the one who trusts in man and depends on flesh for his strength, and his heart turns away from the real source of strength, dies. You know, when I was traveling around after high school, I went across Nebraska. There are these massive sagebrushes through the kind of the deserts of Nebraska. You'd be driving along, and this thing the size of a car would come blowing across, you know, the, uh, the, the, the tundra, you know, of Nebraska. And it reminds me of this passage, because that's how life becomes. It's big, there's a lot of, like, room in it, a lot of space, but there's nothing there. It's just dried up, just kind of blowing here and there. There's no roots, there's no fruit, there's no health, there's no vibrancy, there's no life. 
And that's, how, that's what the world around us is, is, is experiencing. And the crazy thing is, is when we become Christians and we really kind of get into the scriptures and we start getting plugged into God. I was talking about this with Lane yesterday. I was talking about this with, um, with um, Joe this week. You know, we got together and we're just talking. And these guys are just, you know, experiencing sort of this, this wow, this new days in Christ. Because they just, you know, studied the Bible and repented of their sins and found this new life. They were baptized into Christ. So they're trying to discover this. And there's a vibrancy to it. But the crazy thing is, once you've been around for a while, it's so easy to start relying on yourself again. Amen. It's so, it's so easy to start going back to that sort of, I got it all together, I'm all set kind of lifestyle. We start relying on the flesh, our heart starts turning away from God, and we forget the love that we had at first and that relationship and what it took to build that at first. And that's what he's reminding us of. He says, you know, even when, even when prosperity comes, we don't recognize it. He says, because we're in a parched place in the desert where no one lives. Loneliness, there's emptiness, there's a feeling of hollowness, there's an outside and an inside. Outside, we're saying, hey, what's up? Everything's good. Inside, we're feeling dead as a doorknob. We're trying to figure it out. It's because, it's because for whatever reason, we've, we've lost that connection. Our, our roots aren't being sent out. Our roots aren't digging down deep. And laying down and, and, and going to places where there's nutrients. Verse 7, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water. She will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Be joyful always. How do you do it? Seven send out roots by the true source of life. Do you know that life comes from God? Do you know that you're a created being? You didn't create yourself. Right. You didn't create myself. You didn't, you didn't make yourself up. You're not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> you, we don't even know, even with where we're at in science, we don't even know how the body works. We don't have no idea how the brain works. We have no idea how the miracle the human experience even works in one person, much less seven plus billion. It's a mystery. Life comes from God. He knows what he's doing. He's the source of life. He breathed it into us. So it only makes sense to where to find life, true life, is not to be the sagebrush that's blowing all around the desert. It's to be that tree that's planted by the water that's Daily, doing the tough work, doing the hard work, doing the work that nobody else sees, doing the work that we don't get applause for. It's that work when, when, we're, when we're going through a tough time, instead of going to that thing that kind of is going to provide so that momentary whatever, we go to God. We get on our knees. We go out on that prayer wall. We have that conversation with someone that, that, that we're with. We say, hey, this is really helping me. And we reach out. And you send out a place where the real nourishment comes from. See, that's what's happening in the winter with the trees. I love that it. it says they're busy at work, growing, searching, and retaining nutrients to help them get them through the winter and to prepare them for the spring. You know, God's got great things for us in the springtime. And guys, I promise you, 
There's going to be green out there. There's going to be blossoms and blooming and flowers out there. There's going to be uh, stuff that thrills us. And besides that, we're going to be the worst. And, and we're going to go, and we might go swimming. And we might go for that kind of that balmy kind of night walk, you know, where it's 9 o'clock, but it's still kind of like But we're going to enjoy that so much more if now, during the winter, we're sending our leaves out like that. And we're the real yeah. nutrients of them. Mm-hmm. How's your relationship with God? Which, which are you identifying a little bit more with this morning? The first example or the second one you're enjoying that thing? Because it doesn't even really take that long, it doesn't take that much to get that payoff mm-hmm. from prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, First Thessalonians chapter 5. Because next to it, pray continually. And you're thankful and also. You know, I wanted to kind of talk about these a little bit more, but I think they're kind of self explanatory. Is that crazy? It isn't interesting that Jesus prayed once. He was the guy who overcame death. He was the guy who is still like the, the king of the world, the, the most impacting life that's ever walked the earth. But one of the things that we see about his life is he often went through the many places of prayer. And I think there's a few things happening there. There's sort of that body work, going on a walk, going on the hills, breathing in some oxygen, seeing the stars, seeing what God has made, being, you know, being, kind of being confronted again with the power of God, not just the power of man. So there's that that's going on. There's the heart that's, you know, that's being rejuvenated because God loves us. God cares about us on a heart level, and so we're praying, and we start to connect with that. You know, it's the mind. It's where are we putting our mind? Because so much of what we think about is what we become. And so in prayer, we're starting to put our mind on all, not on all the, the fretting and all the stuff, but we're putting it on God. We're going out to pray. And then, you know, God is working on our soul. He's inspired us. You know, I've never come back from prayer feeling worse. <laughs> I always come back from, from prayer feeling with a, a little bit more gas in my tank. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, because oftentimes the circumstances haven't changed at all. Mm-hmm. But God has, God's put some wind in my sails. Mm-hmm. God's put some hope in my heart. God's, God's has, have interacted with the creator of the universe. And so I feel a little more powerful, a little bit more ready. And that's why he's saying, be joyful always. Pray continually. And give thanks. And here's the kicker. Also, I was praying about it just a minute ago. Once I was out praying with uh, one, of my, one of my brothers, and this is when I was a young, young Christian, you know, praying along, and he's praying and praying, and then he and then he started praying about something that that kind of got my attention. He said, "Thank you, God, for my problems." Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget it. It's kind of this, this this perspective change, though, for me that was really important. And I've always tried to pray that in the prayer. God, thank you for my problems. Thank you for my challenges. Thank you for my adversity. Because what I've found is that it gives, it gives me a totally different perspective on my problems. Oftentimes my problems can feel overwhelming. They can feel meaningless. They can feel just something that's against me. Whereas when I thank God for my problems, when I'm thankful in all circumstances, I start to see my problems 
as an opportunity to grow. I start to see some of my problems as my best teachers. As a workout session where I'm really, where, where I need to grow in a certain area, and if I can really embrace this challenge, if I can really embrace this problem, I'm going to come out on the other end of it better and stronger and more able. And I think that's what Paul is talking about here. That we can be thankful in all circumstances because God is working for the good. You know, one of the things I've talked about before that, suit, that, that we started in our family, which really helped me. You know, the time when I was, when I was out of work, there was one experience where I had 14 interviews for a job and I didn't get it. You know, I had these experiences of trying to figure out my career. Because I've been in the ministry for almost 20 years in full-time ministry, and then I wasn't. Because we'd stepped out of the ministry. And so, and so as we were dealing with disappointments in our family, we'd go back to Romans 8.28. And we'd say to ourselves, and we'd say to each other, well, it's not this. This this job you've been interviewing now 14 times for, it's something better. And that really helped us, because it helped us to say, no, God is working pretty good. And in every situation, and I don't say that lately, in literally every situation, God was giving and wanting to give us something even better. It was good I didn't get that job. Now looking back at it, God had a better plan. And it was hard for me to imagine at the time. Like, no, this is, this, I need this. And so, but then as I'm going through that, and I'm trying to grow through that experience, I found that God gave us to even something better. So we can be thankful for our challenges. We can be thankful. Because with our God, our challenges turn out. Mm-hmm. On our own, they don't. Because we're not big enough. We're not strong enough. But with God, who turns curses into blessings, and turns challenges into opportunities, those things can really happen. Okay, so what I'd like us to do here for the next few minutes is I'd like us to kind of think through for a minute what is one of your anchor scriptures? <clears throat> kind of get you back on track. Kind of get you back to the I want you to kind of think about it. And it may, you may have, like, lots of them. Or you may have just a couple. But I want you to kind of think about one. And we're going to pray about that here in just a quick second. I want you to think about it. And then I want you to share with somebody next to you. Kind of drop that into the Maybe next year. Let's talk about it a little bit. And then we'll pray about it. Okay. Father, as we think about you and your word, Father, think about it. And it's an I pray that you guide us with passages that, that really can help us through our particular challenges that we're going through right now. Father, that we can be reminded of the good stuff. We can be reminded of the, the strength that you're wanting to provide for us and the nutrients that you're wanting to provide for us, even in the winters of life. That would help us be stronger. Lead us in guidance. We pray in Jesus' name. Do you have one of these? Uh, yeah. So 
So, one that I, I don't think I've ever looked at in the Bible, so I think it was the Holy Spirit that told me it. It's crazy. Um, oh, trust the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding, and all your ways and knowledge will be only good. Straight your path. Um, I think, like, I can just become really self-reliant and self-sustaining, and I can feel like, oh, see, I'm making it through all things, both time school, full time work, and I'm getting work. But I'm like, why do not have a person to go? That in gym time. <laughs> and so I like tend to, if I'm not careful, my mind considers that like more extra stuff instead of like the main stuff that's going to get other things. Um, especially if I can make it through a few days at a time without like having a quiet time and everything was overall pretty good with those things, then I just am like, less concerned about making sure that I fit it in and so I think that's been my struggle with school so far this semester it's just like full-time focus full-time school and work is a lot and um I can't I thought you were just going to I thought you were just working full-time no or part-time school I didn't know full-time so something I noticed is like quiet time is the first time to first thing to go and I don't want that to be the case as I think like I need to I think this was a really good sermon for me just to remember like like feel like I could self-sustain but there's a lot of stuff shifting in my heart when I'm doing that that's consequential to like getting back into it and consequential to the way that I navigate my days during that time and stuff and like I need to be searching for life and high times it's the first thing you compromise like if I get up a little late yeah. or you know I'm like oh, I'll just do it later but then things add on later yeah. yeah me too and then like you know like you know we have to swipe in right, with our badges so if we come in late it's a big deal like you can't do that you know so I, I used to have jobs where you know you can kind of come in five minutes like you know you go into the office nobody knows but hey, where do you work? I work at the hospital oh you do? yeah but I work over on a chili drive I mean, you know, you have to swipe in and my boss she's like like so I know like I can't compromise on getting there and like I have to watch the clock and, and I go to some ways and I'm just like, pray in the class when I'm driving to work I'm like what? Or I'll, I'll listen to um, you know something on my phone you know like when I go out because I have a dog so I have to walk my dog and I go out and I'll pray while I'm walking my dog and I'm like trying to prepare my mind but it's not like I'm sitting down and like yeah. feeding the roots you know? Yeah, like I'd walk to work at, at 4, 45 in the morning until 5.30, like before I had the car, and um, yeah. I'd pray like that whole time, but it was still like, I wish that, I was still like conscious of the fact that I'd come across people and being a female by myself and it's right. outside, maybe really right. like anxious, and so 
I couldn't just like fully be in that player and I wish I could have like not had to rush to work and I could have just stopped at the Minuski River and just stood there for a bit and like pray. You're coming to work basically, I mean, it feels like the middle of the night. Yeah, although now I can drive so I leave the house at like 5.10 and prayer turns into like 20 minutes of prayer time instead of 45. Yeah. 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 I can do up and see him. He gives me strength. And lots of times when I'm feeling that anxiety, because I have a lot of anxiety, or I'm feeling, you know, it all ties into just my own focus being on me and not on God. Like, immediately, okay, I can do this because God's here. It's to strengthen me. It's help me. And it's a really short, but it's so powerful because it puts my heart and my focus off of me. The struggle comes the struggle and puts it on him. And he's the one. I can't do it, but he can do it, you know? Yeah. I love that one. So many of them. That's one of my favorites. And I think even today's message that Steve was talking about so much of our him, him, getting our strength from him, and you know, our roots going deep with him. Otherwise, that tumbleweed that he could hear, oh my gosh. Our whole lives are the tumbleweed. Yeah, exactly. Everything's going around like a washing machine, so. And you're like, I think I am. And you know, even as a Christian, I can feel like, oh no, I'm, how did I get back in the tumbleweed? I was working, I'm trying so hard to stay out of it. And I'm trying so hard to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, you know, all of that. And for me, when I fail and I, like, mess up, then I'm, like, I get so down on myself. And so then I stay in the tumbleweed. Yeah, so then I stay in the tumbleweed phase longer, and God's probably just like, Kayla, just stand up and walk. Like, don't just roll around down the hills of life by yourself. Hey, you. Hi. Do you want to share one of yours? I know you have many. I a lot of them. Um, every one of these post-it notes, by the way, is on my list. Awesome. So, so Emily, pick one. Um, pick one. I want to hear one. Emily's a true spiritual woman. I mean, she is. No, awesome. But, okay. <laughs> You're an awesome woman of God. Yes, you are. Um, one, I one of the ones I go to a lot is like cast your anxieties on the Lord because He cares for you. I have a lot of verses. It's a super awesome one. Um, I can relate to. I know that a lot of them. They're also like ones that are like you don't need to fight this battle. God will fight it for you. Like you only have to stand still. Um, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, there's a story in Second Chronicles. Um, where the Israelites were up against this impossible army and they were surrounded on all sides and like, God, what do we do? And he's like, go put your battle gear on, put your armor on, go to the battlefront and stand there. I love that story too. So and watch. And see the salvation of the Lord work on 
years ago, and just like so they just they put on all their armor, and so like that's that's something that I have to I remind myself a lot of. Sometimes you just have to show up ready to fight. Here you are with your armor. And I love, don't you love that in the scripture about yeah. It, yeah, putting on the armor? Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm very visual. Mm -hmm. so I love that. It's so good. So those are those are a lot of my. Um, yeah, I have those. One of my others is First Timothy one five, which is um, the aim of our charge is love that issues from pure joy, a good conscience, and a no, a good heart and a clear conscience. Or something like that. But that that's just like at this when I first read that, like at the time, I was like in that weird. I, I it was in a weird part of my life where I just felt like I was putting on a mask with my faith. And yeah, like I felt like the biggest fake ever. Um, and so that verse was just everything that I was so desperately trying to actually live out. Right. 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 I'm down. Yeah, Fort Alley forever. We can just kidnap her and put her in a little little lock cabinet thing in the basement until she misses New Zealand. What's that movie with the Indian in the cupboard? Yeah, Indian in the cupboard. We have this like we were deep cleaning our basement. We were deep cleaning our basement a while ago, and there was this door behind the behind Curtain, and we're like, what the heck? Okay. And it was locked, and it, we couldn't get it open. And then randomly one day it just opened. It was kind of like it was sealed. Yeah, oh, Emily maybe was you just home went after enough to No, um, Emily was home and it was really It's just an empty cross page. It's highly disappointing. Yeah, I bet. Um, you know, usually this is a time when I get about to say, how did you say that? Absolutely. And it really was great. But I'm not going to... I'm not going to... Sing of grace, sing until we see his 